Hello, and welcome back to Vagabond Actors Podcast, where three acting teachers in the heart of Europe are going to discuss all things related to acting and acting training and the trials and tribulations that actors run into. My name is Brian Casp. I'm joining you from Prague, the Czech Republic. And with me, as always, are my fellow acting teachers and actors, Andrea Helene, who's in Mallorca. Hello, Andrea. How are you? Hello, Brian. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm very well. And Gary Condes joining us from London, UK. Hi, Gary. How are you? Hi, Brian. Hi, Andrea. I'm very well, thank you. I'm back from a short break and very eager to crack on. Well, <laughs> welcome back. How was your break? It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was um, a, a break away from London in the heart of the Cornish countryside and mm. uh, and, and coastline. So, yeah, it was uh, a really nice uh, break. That's mm. great. And did you have anything artistic, any kind of reading or anything like that while you were away? Well, what I tend to do, I have a ritual when I go away on a summer holiday, that is, and I tend to take away a few books or a couple of books. And recently, and you've heard me mention them before, um, I'm a massive fan of John le Carre and um, the spy novels, and I've been working my way through them. So um, I read uh, a John le Carre novel, uh, A Small Town in Germany, which is a, a fantastic uh, one of his early works, and also a Raymond Chandler novel. Um, these They just tend to really be really good for holiday breaks. They don't make me think too much, and they get me involved in a real sort of story and a genre. Yeah. But, you know, very different writing. Um, John le Carre is very descriptive, very evocative. And Raymond Chandler, as you know, you know, so witty. He's got a real turn of phrase and really evokes that sort of... Um, hard-bitten L.A., San Francisco hmm. detective of the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. Sounds very relaxing. It was. On the oh, beach. Right. On the beach. <laughs> nice. Seafood. Raymond Chandler. Thank you very much. Oh, very good. And, Andrea, you don't know nothing about being on the beach and eating seafood. I know nothing about it. Oh, I actually what have you just... been up to the last week? Oh, I spent a week in Menorca, one of the Balearic Islands, which is absolutely beautiful. It was my first time mm. there. And I also sat on the beach when I wasn't touring around um, and read a novel by a dear friend of mine named Jeff Abbott, beautiful mystery writer. And his latest book is called Never Ask Me. So I treated myself to his latest release and uh, I highly recommend it. What about and you? let's see, what did I do? I went to the uh, Marienbad Film Festival, which mm -hmm. is in Marianske Lazny, which is, it's very close to the border with Germany, towards Nuremberg. And there was a film festival there, and I went to do some interviews uh, with some directors that were having their films at the film festival. And it was really, it was a really great experience. That's a beautiful spa town. And I was very excited to do the interviews. And when I sat down to do them, the person that was running it, one of my longtime friends, um, from Prague said, Oh, by the way, uh, would you mind doing the interview in Czech? And I thought, <laughs> Oh, that's, interesting. Yeah, I could do that. He said, yeah, because we, you know, we're going to send it out on our Facebook group and it'd be better for our listeners if we do it and check. And, you know, part of the original idea of doing these interviews, and we're hoping to do more where we go to various film festivals and talk to mm -hmm. creators and actors and, and people who are having films at the film festival is that we can also bring those interviews to our listeners at, at Vagabond mm -hmm. Actors and, and to try and um, use that as a backdrop for our some of our interviews. And I thought, well, I don't know how many of our listeners are really going to speak Czech. I know that there are people from the Czech Republic that listen, but uh, I don't know if it's great for a wider audience. But I did it in Czech anyway. With And I, <laughs> the other part of it is that I thought... You know, I think if you want an interview in Czech, it's better to have someone who is really, really fluent in Czech to do the interview. <laughs> You're not going to get as good of an interview out of me when I'm stumbling around from grammar. But it, they they went pretty well. And uh, you can see them up on the Marion Bad Film Festival Facebook uh, page. And... Uh, and they, but they are in Czech, and I might actually interview one of the directors again in English just to uh, 
to have it and to be able to share it. But uh, so that's one of the things that I did. And uh, and just kids getting back into school and and dealing with all that. So that's what we're up to. This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner, and if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters, your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member. You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put VAGABOND25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. So, yeah, we have a question from an actor who's been following us called Robert Bellissimo, who is based in Canada. I think it's Toronto. Forgive me if I'm if I'm wrong, Robert. And he brings up a question that we covered in episode number eight. How do you feel about that? And his question was this, and I'm just going to read from his uh, email. I'm curious how you feel about a character who is confused and doesn't know what to do. Is that an opinion and need within itself? For example, I don't know what to do now that my girlfriend has left me and I am heartbroken and can't get out of bed. I go to my friend and tell them about how I feel about it. I tell them how I feel about that and want them to put me on the right track. Is not knowing still an opinion? Okay, that's quite complex what he's asking there, but I think I know what he's trying to get at. Any thoughts that you might have? I love this question, and um, you know, it's funny. Immediately, what comes to mind is the independent movie that that was quite successful called Once. It's really beautiful. In fact, it was so successful they made a Broadway play out of it. And this description, this example that we've gotten here is essentially like the starting position and much of the experience of the, of the lead character in the film, you know, he's just been, is absolutely heartbroken that the love of his life has left him and he's wallowing in the music that he creates as a street musician. And he does not really fully know where to turn. And is there something for him to do does he have needs? Does he have opinions about his situation? Absolutely. That's the fuel of, of his experience. So, I mean, yes, absolutely. There's completely an opinion. I have, I have an opinion in just about everything I do from the morning when I first wake up, you know, and the work of the actor is to find out what that opinion is. And, and some opinions obviously are much stronger than others, but it is what, what makes our work specific And I'm thinking back to something that Gary, you had said recently in one of our podcasts about the importance of specificity and that sometimes actors think that they must be, sorry, dog in the background, that they must be (laughs) natural and you, and you trying to find for them, you know, natural versus real and that, and the difference the difference from your perspective is, you know, a, a dead performance versus an alive performance. An and I think this is a good, he does, he does. Look, my family went out this evening and they left me home with the dog. So I can't corral him. I'm sorry. Uh, but he does have a strong opinion. Yeah, Brian, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not as clear cut as Andrea actually, but well, my reading of this is that there are a few different things going on here. And I was just thinking, you know, it's kind of like, so, so one of them is, is your opinion, which is how do I feel about what's happening around me or what the other person's behavior is, right? right? So what do I feel about that stuff? But what I think the question really feels more about is, do I have an objective? Do I have something that I'm going for that I'm active about if I don't know? 
Um, and I think that there's a little bit of a conflation of those two concepts. I agree. So having an opinion, for sure, you can have an opinion about your girlfriend leaving you. You can have a, an opinion about not knowing what's happening. You can have an opinion about everything that's happening, right? Uh, everything that's happening around you can, and I think should, uh, hit you in some way. And you can have an opinion about that. Um, I think that where it gets complicated is in the not knowing or kind of sitting on the fence in terms of, I don't know what to do mm -hmm. now. Right. And it's kind of like the advice that sometimes people get when you need to play someone who's drunk. And the advice is don't play someone who's drunk, play someone who is trying to walk upright, but is having trouble. And so I think that if you're in a situation where it's kind of like you're trying to play the negative or you're trying to play the not knowing or trying to play being lost or stupid, really. So instead of trying to play being stupid, you it's it's much more active to try to play really working on figuring out something that everyone else seems to think is very clear, right? Mm -hmm. So the lack of direction, if, you're, if your girlfriend has left you and you have a certain opinion or a feeling about that, the doing of that might be, I'm, tr I'm casting about for answers and I'm not getting any, right? Which would lead to you not knowing. But it, instead of wallowing in the not knowing, you could be trying to find out why she left. But I think the key with this kind of question is to make it active. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say about this. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the problem I have with it is that the opinion or point of view isn't explicit in this description, whether it is an actual circumstance from an actual scene that he's describing or an improvisation or just a hypothetical situation. But, you know, the word heartbroken is implicit that there's a feeling there about right. his relationship, but it's not explicit enough for me and therefore it causes problems. So it, I, I've, I've broken it down into two things to try and really get at it because it's not clear to try and get some clarity on it. And you're right. I think there's some conflating going on. So first thing is he says at the beginning, a character who is confused and doesn't know what to do, is that an opinion and a need within itself? Well, First of all, confusion is uncertainty about what's happening, indecision, uh, hesitation, you know, unclear in one's mind about something. So someone who is confused and doesn't know what to do is not an opinion or a need. In dramatic parlance, let's say, what they're experiencing is an internal obstacle, the inability to take action, right? Think of Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Think of Hamlet. So there's this in-between, it's a kind of in-between place. And this, and confusion, if you look at confusion and you look at indecision, it's often created or exacerbated by an overload of an overwhelm of feelings or a mix of feelings and thoughts, which is causing this sort of struggle, whether to do something about it or not to do something about it. Often we're overwhelmed and, you know, that can often lead to depression. So this need or an opinion is, is for me, is, is kind of momentarily sort of blocked by this, this, uh, this obstacle. Now, if you look at the opposite psychology of that, it's someone who shrugs off the heartbreak and is decisive and gets on with something. For me, this whole idea of confusion is an inability to do something right now. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of complex, but Maybe it's solved in the second part where he, he then expands. He gives an example. Right. I go to my friend. Yeah. So if he yeah. says, for example, I don't know what to do now that my girlfriend has left me and I'm heartbroken, which I think is a key thing there, and I can't get out of bed. So I go to my friend. Obviously, he does get out of bed eventually because he goes to his yeah. friend. Right. <laughs> and then tells them about how I feel about it. So he tells them about how I feel about the heartbreak. And I tell them how I feel about that and want them to put me on the right track. Is not knowing still an opinion? Well, to me, no, it's not. Not knowing is not knowing. Not knowing is not an opinion. Knowing something is an opinion. Being sure of something and having a clear feeling, as you just said, a clear feeling about something is an opinion. Yeah. I would also say that you can have an opinion about not knowing. 
synonymous with having an opinion is having a feeling about it or having a response to it. That's what I agree with. That, that's really what, what, I, what I'm trying to get at. I, I think the state, the danger from an actor's perspective, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say to me, the danger from an actor's perspective is to think that there's nothing to take care of here, that there's no task for the actor in this scenario because of the emotional state of indecision, uncertainty, heartbreak. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's a very specific thing that you need to take a look at as an actor and understand. And then what do you do with that uncertainty? Does it cause frustration? Does it cause an kind of a rage? Does it cause, um, softness? Does it, is it, what, what kind of a state does it uniquely put that actor into? And that's born out of what your opinion is about your state. Am I the biggest loser on earth? Um, was I wronged? Um, should I have done something differently? Why does this keep happening to me? Like, what is your underlying perspective that makes this relationship specific to you and makes the breakup specific to you? And, and that then informs your opinion about the state that you now find yourself in. The thing mm-hmm. I'm not getting, which maybe it's implicit in the heartbroken, but it's not yet clearly formed enough, this description for me, his feeling about his girlfriend. And therefore, for me, it's not an opinion yet. I still love her. She is the love of my life, and I can't live another day without her is something else. That's a clear, specific, stronger point of view. And I don't know what to do because I can't live another day without her. And therefore, hey, friend, I've been dumped. What shall I do because I can't spend another day without her? Uh, I need to seek clarity about that. Now, for me, that could be implicit in the word heartbroken. So I suppose you could take it from that. But in terms of, I don't understand what his opinion is of the relationship. I don't get that in that circumstance. I don't think he's and, given it to us. I think, I think his no. question is, is that, is that state of, is of that not enough? knowing, is, is, that, is that sort of enough? Or do I right. need is to create state, an opinion about this? Yeah, is the state enough? Is the state that I'm in equal to having an opinion? And I think all three of us, it sounds like we're coming down on, no, being in a specific state isn't a, an opinion. No, it's not. You, you can have an opinion about being in that state, which for me is how it makes you feel and how yes. you, what your response is to it. But he's saying he's confused and doesn't know what to do. For any actor, you don't want to be on the fence. Right. Even if the script places you on the fence, you need to be striving to get off of that fence like it's a hot fence don't be satisfied with the confused state be striving to move either towards or away from whatever that thing is be it your partner or uh, some kind of resolution of the state or something like that and maybe the script won't let you get there. But I would also say just going into, I go to my friend and tell them about how I feel about it. And then I tell them how I feel and, and want them to put me in the right track that as an objective, I would say, even if that is the surface of the script that I would really strive to look deeper Right. And for me, just, just the word heartbroken is not enough because you could be heartbroken, but you could s- still, uh, without any other clues, heart- be heartbroken and still not know whether you are in love with her enough to want her back. Because if there was just an addition to that, and because there isn't, you're absolutely right. You have to add it yourself yeah. to make it high stakes and to make it have enough impetus and consequence for it to be dramatically interesting and challenging. Then, then you'd probably go for the the best case scenario, which is you know I love her to death, but I'm heartbroken, and should I go running after her or not? Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not in this description. There's too much of a a hole for it to be suggesting it explicitly so that's why you got to do this work which is fill in the gaps okay (laughs) all right well i don't know if we solved anything hopefully we addressed some of the the concerns hello team vagabond my name is christian cascone i'm one of gary's students so as i understand it you're each based in different cities and of course countries My question is, how does each of those locations compare in terms of the influence it will have on your career? 
whether it's the type of work available, the training, or even the different requirements held by the industry gatekeepers. I know that Prague is a really common shooting location for big budget films, and there's a big community of English speaking actors there working hard to make the most of the opportunities afforded by that. Um, and if any of you have got experience living elsewhere, I'd be keen to hear about the influence of those places as well. So that's my question. I'm really enjoying the podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. So what do you guys think? Um, location, does it matter? Does it matter where we are? How does being in a certain place affect the opportunities that we might get? Um, Andrea, you're a recent transplant into the European market. And mm -hmm. I think you've also moved around from Chicago to LA as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you might have dealt with other students who are dealing with, should I move to, uh, and Gary, you've also done this, should I move to America? Should I move from LA to Atlanta? Should I, where, where should I be to get the most out of my work? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, when I, when I made the decision to move from Chicago to Los Angeles, I was working very regularly in Chicago and I'm a bit of a creature of habit and I was rather happy to stay there, but some important people in my life urged me to consider either New York or Los Angeles. And after some, you know, thought and review, I reached out to a few friends of mine who were working in Los Angeles and I checked it out and I had a really nice feeling about it. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a year and give it a go. And I think that I was mentally prepared for the shift that happened in my career at that point, moving from a medium sized, healthy market where I was working regularly to a really, really large and highly competitive market. Um, I did secure an agent before I moved to Los Angeles that helped me to make the transition and I booked work early on, but I knew that I had shifted gears somewhat. I also found that moving into that market allowed me to shift the focus of what I was working on to a degree. I had done a lot of commercial work in Chicago. And while I went out on plenty of commercial auditions in Los Angeles and booked them in Los Angeles, I also knew it was the time for me to really dig deep into the craft of acting. So, um, so I gave myself time to do that and to move away from one focus into another. And I think when you, when you do shift markets, you have to be as realistic as you can be about what the offerings are, what kind of productions are created there, what the numbers are. Uh, yes, what your competition is in a way, just so you can have a realistic assessment and make some intelligent decisions. I found a creative community there that was bigger than the community I had in, in Chicago. So I think that allowed me to, to consider it really a long-term game plan for myself. When I started a number of years ago, actually, when I first started thinking about moving to Europe for a time, I, I, was, con I was focused on Berlin. And I had meetings there with casting people and with a few managers and agents, and they were very enthusiastic about having me. They did indicate to me that having lived and worked and studied in Los Angeles for so, so long brought a certain amount of credence to the work. So um, in that case as well, I really, I really tried to go at it from you know, the question of, am I enthusiastic about this? And is this, is this a place I want to work? What kind of work is being done here? What do I think the future is for this market? The work I had done in both Chicago and Los Angeles would have prepared me very nicely for it. The reason we didn't choose was more personal than anything, but, um, where I am now is a slightly different matter. It's not a move about coming because I think this is the next great market for me. It's a quieter market. It's a secondary market in many ways. And I'm hoping to do something about that. Um, the Mallorca Film Commission is very active here. There's a lot of production that happens, but often, as we know in a lot of, you know, sort of mid and smaller size American markets for sure, the leading roles get cast in the major cities 
And the local actors are really primarily considered for the smaller roles. And I think that's what tends to happen here. If you ask the average Mallorquin actor where their opportunities are, the majority of them feel that they need to be able to travel to mainland Spain or the rest of continental Europe in order to secure really solid and regular acting work. So for me, this is not so much about let's go to where the action is happening. This was a more personal decision about where I want my family to be. And do I think I can establish a base here so that I can begin working in Europe more regularly and start teaching here as well? And um, so, so far, so good. Because, as luck would have it, exactly one year after our arrival, I taught my first acting class last night here in Mallorca. Yeah. Great. And Gary, I, I don't know how much you've traveled around vagabond like uh, as an actor looking for work but i'm i'm assuming that you've had students who have dealt with this question of where they should be and where they can be to be best set up to to make their careers happen so what what are you what is your experience with this question i mean for me when i made the choice to be an actor which you know wasn't something that was organic i sort of fell into it and got caught by it and then went off to a traditional drama school. And because of the nature of getting loans and government bursaries and all the rest of it, uh, I could only get one if I got into one of the top drama schools. I was offered a place at the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama, which is now called the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, which is very, very grand. But it was based in, in Glasgow. So, you know, still in the UK, but not in England, in Scotland. So I went there and from there... Uh, I kind of avoided London at first. I mean, why Why did I avoid London? I, I, I suppose it was the obvious place to go. And, and I'll talk about, you know, the obvious places to go in a set because, you know, with actors in the English-speaking world and not, I suppose, LA, New York and London are the three major um, mm -hmm. sort of targets for actors to gravitate towards. But I, I was a bit stubborn like that. And I've always been. And it also accompanied me with my early acting adventures. I was always a bit of a vagabond and that's why I did theatre and, and, and intended to do touring theatre. I was, you know, getting into all of that counterculture filmmaking and acting from the 60s and 70s and all the greats that came out of that. And so I did gravitate to London <laughs> um, because in comparison back then, and it's lesser now, but still, you know, it still has that power. You know, why is it that people gravitate to the three big cities, LA, New York, or London? And, and for me, I, it was to do with searching out the type of acting training that I admired mm -hmm. in the great mm -hmm. actors from my formative years and my acting heroes, you know, Brando, Pacino, Duval, De Niro, Meryl Streep, Ellen Burstyn, all these big names and, and sort of really, really deep actors. And, and that's what took me to New York, first of all, and then at LA. And I think I may have mentioned this briefly in, in other episodes, but I spent a number of years working in the UK in theatre and travelling around, and I wanted to, and also in Europe. I would travel to Germany, I travelled through France. And in between those jobs, I was jetting off to New York in order to seek out acting training that I wanted to do. And, you know, it was the triumvirate at the time. It was... Stella Adler because of Brando and Robert De Niro. It was Meisner because of, you know, Duval and Steve McQueen and all these others. And it was Lee Strasberg because of Pacino and all the rest. I mean, on a purely functional and sort of practical level, you can act anywhere, can't you? Mm -hmm. You can create anywhere. I mean, yeah. for acting, all you need is a room and at least one more person um, to act with or <laughs> fun with two or three people yeah. more. But I think for training where there are opportunities, and I think it becomes about opportunities, doesn't it? I was offered representation and I was, you know, there was the whole green card thing, which was harder then, but there was there was less numbers. So it was kind of easier to navigate, even though you had to jump over a lot more hoops. And I didn't want to do it. My heart was in London. And there's always been a sense of, for me, 
a life-work balance in a city. You see, Mm -hmm. I spent time in LA purely for the training. If I were to choose out of LA, New York to live, I would have lived in New York. I I spent more time in New York because I love the big city. But you see, when I go to a party, uh, which I do less now, but when I used to go to parties, I wanted to talk to a doctor or a lawyer or a, a writer or um a horticulturalist or, or or you know meet life whereas in la you know what it's like you were just you know it's an actor's town so i was always in search of the the career but also along with that a life and work balance which brought me back to london what i love about london also and, and new york is that theater for me there is so much theater here in a way that la doesn't have and having the the whole network of training that you have I think is very important in a place for me what I love about London is I grew up and I came up through fringe theatre my first jobs were in top of pubs in small little studio theatres doing either great plays or not so great plays and fucking up and and gaining experience and then from there you got your networks and from there people could come and see you casting directors and you, you could see the opportunities in front of you that actually kind of gave you grist to the mill. You, you had the small theater, but then you had the oft West end theater, but then you had the West end theaters and you had the repertory theaters and the, and the number one touring theater. So everything was very present, which kind of helped you to work for it. Basically, Mm -hmm. you know, for instance, the Vaktangoff, theatre company from Moscow come to London, you know, and I I know they travel to some other places, but not too many. And for me to be able to be at the heart of that cultural sort of life is, is, is important. And and I've learned a lot from it. So I say to actors, I say, it's a big world, go and see what's on offer. And during Mm -hmm. your travel, you will experience life, you will gain life, you know, you're not going to get it from the library or from the same four people that you have in front of you. So, you know, seek out the best and seek out variety. And from there, you can always return to where you want to and find your home where you need to. If you're, if you're the, 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 the type to want to um, make something of a home and, and create something like you have done, Brian, and now you yeah. are doing, Andrea. Mm-hmm. So... You know, not to say that there aren't good drama schools, especially now um, in, in, you know, Paris, Rome, Berlin, Madrid, even, and of course, Prague. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but, you know, what's interesting to me is I teach a lot all over Europe. I go to Warsaw. They're so entrenched still in their national drama school system where Mm -hmm. it's very elite. It's very difficult to get in. But once you're in, it's, it's a hangover from the old communist era. Once you're in, you have a job for life. You are in the theatre for life. You can get moved around. You get aligned, uh, sorry, you get assigned to a theatre once you graduate. And you could stay there for years if you wanted to. Hmm. Um, so that's great on one sense. But in another sense, it's like they're craving for, um, you know, modern acting technique or at least technique that they've heard um, English speaking acting technique from the greats, or at least have evolved from the greats. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, I don't want to get into a sort of provincial war, um, about sort of a cultural snobbishness, but, you know, <laughs> I think there is a, a, a certain, um, necessity to go and seek out where all life is at least to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I think that, I'm kind of living that life at the moment, (laughs) having moved from LA, which I think a lot of actors, especially the ones that I talk to in London, and certainly some here want to go to LA. And that's kind of a, a beacon for a lot of actors. And I've gone the other way and moved uh, to what is more of a regional market. And there are good sides and bad sides to moving in either direction. And just like there are good things and bad things about living wherever you're living, no place is perfect and no place has everything that you'd like it to have. Just like you said, Gary, you know, in a larger market, there's going to be more opportunities for training. You're going to be able to work with people who are going to push you more. There could be more opportunities for parts that are... Uh, larger parts, 
that you wouldn't get automatically in a smaller market, even if the project itself is a bigger project. So when you are moving from a larger market like LA into a smaller market, and when you are speaking in English and working in English, Mm -hmm. then you are probably going to be competing with fewer people for those roles. And so what happens is that the amount of layers that you have to go through to get to something like the top of the heap, there are fewer layers that you have to get through. But given that, where the top of the heap is, is it's like a lower hill than you would be on if you were on the top of the heap in London or in New York or or in LA. You know, a student of mine asked recently if she should move back to Canada and she's a Czech, but she, her English is really good. And she had been living in Canada for a while. And she thought, well, is it better for me to try to work here in either in international productions or in Czech, or is it better for me to, to live in Canada? And I thought, you know, it really depends is, is the shitty answer. It depends on how much do you like living where you're living? Just like you were talking about the quality of life of where you're living. If it, is it good? Do you like it? Would you would you prefer living somewhere else? If you prefer living somewhere else, and they have a, a market, then live there. Right now, you can if you have representation. Like if if you're living in uh, Spain or the Czech Republic or in Germany and, or in Scandinavia, and you have representation in London, which is where the big center for English language filming is, is, you know, everything goes, that's filming in Europe goes through London. Then you can put yourself on tape for a lot of things and fly over to London if you have to, Mm -hmm. and still enjoy the benefits of living in a place that is maybe more manageable, maybe more affordable. On the other hand, you don't get the casual networking opportunities that living in a place like London or Los Angeles might provide. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you might not ever get invited to those parties. You might spend all your time living in London and have three auditions a year and feel like, why am I spending my life living in London when I could be living outside of London or I could be living in a different country or I could be back closer to my friends and family. And uh, and if something comes up, I can put myself up for it. When you make a decision to move to a new place, you have to plan on giving it at least six months, Mm -hmm. probably more like a year to feel like you've really gotten into it. Mm -hmm. And even then there's a friend that I had who was living in Prague, an American, and he decided he was really, I mean, he's a really great actor and he was really at the top of the pile, booking roles in all of the shows, um, really had nowhere else to really go in Prague. And he was missing America, decided to move back to LA. Well, even though he had a resume that most actors, if they had come up in LA would die for, when he moved to LA, not only did the stuff that actually Evelyn Edwards talked about in when we were interviewing with her which is that the pace and the and the push that you feel living in a regional market like Prague mm-hmm. was not nearly enough for him to to feel like he was up to speed when he moved to LA mm-hmm. but also a lot of the casting directors that he was meeting maybe when he would go in for a general who might say well you've done all these great projects how come I don't know if you've done all these great projects and you were here, I would know you. And so uh, it actually took him maybe seven or eight years of working in LA after he had come back from Prague, after he had done all of these great projects to kind of feel like he was starting to book roles again, starting to get called in for auditions that he would like to do. So that's a calculus that for me, thinking about that story and thinking about what kind of life I have in Prague at the moment, yes, I would like to be booking bigger roles. I think every actor, almost every actor, would like to be booking bigger roles and have more impact on the projects that they're doing. But at the same time, I don't want to go and leave a market where I feel like people have my number, they call me when they want something. And so there are advantages to that that I don't think I would want to move 
and especially move my family to LA and kind of have to live in seven years or eight years of relative obscurity. Uh, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think the quality of life, especially now with all that's going on, is, uh, is worth it. I don't think there is any panacea. I think if you want to go and like, just like what Gary said, if you want to go and try something out and to, and you think, oh, I really like the quality of life in this place, or I really think there might be an opportunity for me in whatever place you want to move to do it, try it out. As always, the first thing I would recommend when moving to a new location is to search out either an acting class that you can join, whether or not you feel like you need the training you're going to meet people. You're going to start to build contacts. You're going to start to build your network exactly. in an acting class. Look for maybe a amateur theater to join or a professional theater if if you feel like you can audition for it and and get in. But like like uh, like Gary was saying, it can be quite a closed uh, group of people in professional theater. Amateur theaters are much more welcoming, I think, especially when it's new talent, or to look for people to start a group of your own with. And nowadays, uh, Facebook or uh, social media or these kind of things are really great ways of connecting up with people who are in a certain location. And I think that almost everywhere you're going to move to, there are going to be people that you might want to work with. Mm -hmm. And so if you like the location go and try it out and, and see how it works out. It's interesting because it's a hackneyed phrase, but it is what you make of it wherever you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because, and you know, you, you are, uh, you exemplify that Brian and you're starting to do that too, Andrea. And I'm sure you've done it in your other, uh, homes, wherever you've been around the world, but you know, you're starting to do it too. And it is what you make of it because you, you don't have to be anywhere to be an artist and create. You can be anywhere to do that, like I said earlier. But, um, you know, I know of people in Birmingham and Manchester who don't come to London very much, maybe for the odd job, perhaps don't work as much as they would like to, I don't know, but they still manage to create a little studio or create work with their friends and make films and whether they make a living from it just from that, I don't know but they certainly make some kind of living from it and maybe they have to supplement it, but they seem to be able to create that and they, mm -hmm. they seem to be happy with that. I also know people by, in contrast in London who are pursuing, you know, the golden egg or the pot at the end of the rainbow and they're not making the most of it. And, you know, sometimes they appear in class and it's like you say you want to be an actor. You say you are in the place that is most helpful for you to be an actor. There are the most opportunities that you could possibly ask for to be an actor, and yet you're quite lazy with it or casual or you're putting up obstacles or you're not really seizing it and you're not really making the most of it. Mm -hmm. So why be here? You could be doing what you're doing in some small fishing village. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's, some, it's something that it, it happens here quite frequently as well, uh, which is that, in a smaller market, it feels like you have more agency because there isn't the amount of competition. When I was in LA, the thought of starting a theater company and doing theater, because the ceiling was so much higher, felt unimaginable to me. Even though I was involved in plays and other people were doing it, I, there was enough people doing it and being those people that started things that I felt like I, I could just join in that stuff. I don't have to do it. Whereas the instant that I moved to Prague, there wasn't at that time an English language theater company that I could just join in. And if there was, and there have been several like a lot of people come in and say, well, you're doing something, but you're not doing exactly what I want to do. So I'm just going to get some friends together and do something. And so when I first moved to Prague, I started a theater company and I started doing stuff just because it felt like there was a vacuum or it felt like it was kind of possible in a way that the weight of Los Angeles when I was living there felt like it's, it's too important. It's too much. It's too heavy mm. to be, to be doing this in LA. It means too much. 
Mm. So maybe that's how people feel in, in London as well, that to start something and to do it in London, it mean it means like it's it's real. It's not amateur anymore. Or if it is amateur, it's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, mm. but that's the test, isn't it? I mean, it's all relative. You know, you could, there is definitely less somewhere like Prague. You, know, you go to LA and, yes, everyone's an actor. So you've got way more competition. A bit less in London. And then as you go sort of to Rome and Berlin and then, and then Prague, like you, said, like you explained earlier, you can spend a bit of time there. It's not as populated um, so therefore you have a bit more of a chance. There's less jobs, but it's not as populated. So there's that relativity thing that, that comes in. But I just think if, if, if you're not going, if you want to do it, you got to do it. Exactly. If you're not <laughs> wanting to make theater, if that's what you want to do and you're not going to do it in London, where are you going to do it? You know, or New York, you know, or make a film in LA. I mean, yes, I, I, I totally understand. And there's this burden, you know, there's more eyes watching you. Um, but, you know, it's just like in class, eyes are watching you anyway. Um, there's, there's, there's so much to draw from when you're in a cultural city like Prague uh, or, you know, some of the major centers in Europe that, that it's, it's, it's all there. And I think what starts to happen is, yes, it's more expensive. There are certain cities that are more expensive. So therefore, your time is consumed with having to make a living as well as pursuing your dream and being an actor. Um, of course, that, that is one of the major obstacles that comes with the territory. So you have to try and surmount that some way. I mean, I've been living in London now since nine, 30 years, 1990. And I, w- I, I was a shit kicker and I was poor for 10 of those years in London. And the only thing that drove me was bread and love of acting. <laughs> Just as well, I, I liked butter and toast, you know, because that's what that's what fed me for a while. Yes, it took me a long time. And I say to people who move to London, I say, it's going to take you a good few years, if not at least five, to make this feel like home and work for you. And even though there's more opportunities in London, there's, there's a lot more pitfalls also in London. And there's a lot yeah. more dead ends. So there's a lot more of everything. There's a lot The more, highs are higher and the lows exactly. are lower. Exactly. There's mm-hmm. a lot more. You know, there's a lot more angels, but there's a lot more devils as well. Seek out the stuff that is going to make you better, wherever that may be. If I hadn't taken the first step to go over to the States, then I wouldn't probably, I would not have come back and landed in London and did did what I'm doing. So there's that. But I have a question actually for you, Brian, because, and it's sort of hopefully will elaborate on what you've said, because you're a perfect example of going somewhere else. I'm a perfect example of so many things, Gary. Well, that's true. But let's just do one thing at a time. Okay. okay. <laughs> one episode at a time. Because we've got okay. we've got to fill we need to we need your greatness to fill all the other episodes. Up. Stretch. I know. Yeah. Um, well, what's your question? But you're you're a perfect example of moving somewhere else from their sort of home country and still pursuing and making a success of it. So what was going through your mind and did you have yeah, what was going through your mind at the decision making points? What the heck were you thinking, boy? Exactly. Should I stay? (laughs) Should I go? You know, what and all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I didn't, when I moved, I was in a crisis point, I would say, in LA, where I felt like I didn't know, do I want to do this as a career? Do I want to keep slogging it out here? Am I even trying to slog it out here? what do I want to do? I didn't really want to live in LA anymore. And I wanted to have some adventures. And when I moved, I thought I gave myself, I said, if it's terrible, I'm going to do it for six months. I can, I can last the summer in a beautiful European city. And if it's terrible, I'll last for six months and then come home and then figure out what I want to do. And if it's great, I think it'll be a year and a half. So you went to Prague purely as a tour, as a as a visit, as an adventure, rather than I'm going to seek out the acting opportunity. I knew when I moved, I had one contact when I moved that happened to be an agent that I knew through my cousin, and so she had said, "If you or if you move here." We're always looking for trained native English speaking actors. I can get you work. So I knew that there was a possibility of me getting work. And as soon as I moved, I started auditioning right away. 
Uh, I didn't know how it were, would work out. I didn't know what kinds of projects it would be. I didn't have any kind of conception of what that would be. I had hoped, and and also, when I moved, I was thinking that this might be a step on the road to working through the Stanislavski on opera book that I talked about with mm-hmm. Evelyn. And I had thought that maybe I was going to be finding a way to marry my love of musical theater with my love of more serious acting through that Stanislavski book. And so I was thinking maybe I can earn my living through doing commercials if I'm very successful and then do kind of theater, musical theater, or find people that I want to work with in theater in Prague and kind of do that for a while before I move to Moscow or before I move to wherever I'm going to go next or come come home. So it wasn't like I said, I'm going to move to Prague and become uh, an actor in international projects. And that's my goal. I moved for the, for the life that I thought I was, might have for that year and a half. And then I knew that I could go out for stuff. Right. It, it sounds like the disillusionment with how things were with your acting life, correct me if I'm wrong, in LA propelled you to make these decisions yeah. And look where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and there's no... I mean, Andrea, you knew me at that time mm-hmm. when I was leaving LA. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no way that I could see the path that my life has taken from that <laughs> moment. No but, way. You know, there was no way that... I think... And I think that that's a really that's a really important thing to remember, not just with the discussion of like, where am I going to end up? And do I want to be in this location or that location? But you just don't know. And if you think you know, then just look a year in the past and think, what was I worried about? Or what was I expecting my life to be a year ago? And look where it is now. And and is it anything like I could have fantasized about my life being good or bad? And probably the answer is no. It's it's different. There's different things about it. And if you go back five years, now I'm a, I'm coming up on 18 years in the Czech Republic, um, or I've passed 18 years. I'm coming up on 19 years in the Czech Republic. I, there's no way that I could have said, oh, this is what my life is going to be mm-hmm. uh, when I moved. It, so Interesting. So the lesson there is, is we are given obstacles and sometimes you've got to mix it up and change and, and force a change, uh, not at every every turn, because that's schizophrenia, and that can be escaping the, the problem. But when you are really getting nowhere for a, pe- a long period of time, or that's what you feel like, then you've got to mix it up and change it up. It's like having just read Raymond Chandler on holiday. You know, he says when he's stuck writing, he introduces someone coming to the door with a gun. And <laughs> then he has solve the problem from that Uh, yeah um um, and now that i say that i may well have mentioned this in another episode so forgive my repetition but well it's also it's also the game of thrones way of dealing with plot uh, cul-de-sacs right just kill just kill the people off right right and then what do you do but then how do people react but but following on from that is you force a change like chandler brings a gun someone to the door with a gun and making that change forces you somewhere but you see if the love of your art is still carried with you that will resurface wherever you are that's right no i am thinking about the journey that i've witnessed from a number of actors and filmmakers who have spent time in los angeles intensely studying really taking advantage of the possibilities the cultural influences and for a number of reasons, ended up moving to other markets. And if they stayed with the arts, often found really lovely things happened. And I was reflecting on what Evelyn had commented about her thoughts about how hungry actors are in the larger markets and how hard they will work. And, and I am wondering if there's a little bit of that hunger that gets developed and then and then when you move into something new there's a feeling like well if i can survive los angeles i can pretty much make figure this thing out elsewhere 
Like, you know, Atlanta's not going to scare me. You know what I mean? In fact, I have a former student who moved to Atlanta and he did, he's, he's done so much more work since he moved there. And he really did find people that he wanted to create with. He's found an acting troupe and really great friendships. And, um, he, he had, he'd been sort of bi-coastal, uh, for a time in Los Angeles, but I see his satisfaction level has gone way up because he's really committed to the lifestyle there for his family. And he has mm-hmm. planted so many seeds. And I think he developed the courage to do that during his time in Los Angeles. You know, he was exposed to so much more and, and then your ideas foment and, and then you say, well, of course I can make this thing happen. So I'm going to, I'm going to take my ideas on the road. There's something to be considered there. If you, if you can stay out of trouble and not fall into, you know, some of the big traps associated with, with, with some of the larger markets, if you can really, as you say, Gary, if you can do your best to make of it what you can, if you determine it's not for you, let it be a springboard. Let, let it help you identify what you do want to create and how you want to do it and the kinds of people you want to create with, you know, and now you've hopefully gleaned not only skills, but you've developed a network and you've, how do I say this gracefully? You've gotten some cojones. <laughs> I think, I think you, it, it's, it's a, being in those large markets can can really strengthen the will to to build elsewhere. The uh, the image that I had that when you were talking about this that I just remembered when I first moved to Prague is that it's like being in one of those large high pressure high competition markets. It's like running on a treadmill at full mm-hmm. tilt mm-hmm. and. And once, and when you move to a smaller market, you're still going at the pace that you've learned mm-hmm. of the treadmill. And so when you move into a market where people, nobody else is running that fast, you can do so much. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really, that was really my experience here was that I felt like I'm going to start a class. There's nobody re- to rehearse. Nobody's rehearsing. I got to get in a class. I got to do a rehearsal. That started me teaching because uh-huh. I was teaching people to do stuff that started me doing a, a theater company because nobody else was doing it. And I have to be doing something all the time. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, da, 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 I gotta go. I gotta go. You know, and I've slowed down a little bit since then, but but I was really running real fast to try mm-hmm. to keep up with everyone in LA. Mm-hmm. And when you move to a market like Prague or, I mean, Atlanta is really busy, but mm-hmm. probably you don't have to do as much to, to book those roles and those, you know, the jobs just kind of drop into people's laps here. And so people kind of get used to that pace. Yes. But so the people that come in from outside who are really running and really racing after it, mm-hmm. that's, that's a huge advantage. That can be a huge advantage. Yes. I love it. Vagabonds. Yes. Vag- we finally gotten to the vagabond part of vagabond actors. <laughs> so thank you, Christian, for that. Um, and if you, any of you listeners have other questions or topics that you'd like us to delve into, please get in touch. You can write to us at Vagabond Actors on Twitter, on Instagram. We have a Facebook page that you can uh, follow us and, and like us there. And uh, we'd love to get the audio versions of your questions. So feel free to, to ask us through those mediums how you can get those audio questions to us. Um, and if you have anything else going on, you can get in touch. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us personally or follow us and watch our photo streams or our thoughts on Twitter, I had a tweet today about ear fuzzing, which, um, which is one of my ticks that I love to do. Um, you can join us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So, uh, Andrea, where can people get in touch with you if they want to look at your, uh, thoughts on, on things? <laughs> well, I hold back a number of thoughts these days because I don't want to get too crazy political. But uh, okay. you can see some of my thoughts on Twitter at Andrea underscore Helene or Instagram at Andrea Helene 3. And Gary, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, on Instagram and Twitter at Gary Condes, or you're probably just as well getting in touch with me via my website contact page, GaryCondes.com. 
And I am Brian Casp, and I am at Brian Casp on Twitter and Instagram. I also have a Facebook page. And uh, all three of us are teaching classes in our respective markets. Um, you can certainly get in touch with us if you have questions about that. Andre is teaching in Mallorca on Monday nights. I don't know if your class is full or if you're taking new students, Andrea. I'm taking new students. All right. So Come if you're in us. Mallorca or if you want to fly into Mallorca on Monday nights to uh, to have class with a wonderful Meisner teacher, uh, go and check out Andrea's class. Um, I am teaching Monday and Wednesday nights in Prague. Uh, you can find out more information at uh, acting.cz. And Gary, where can people find information about your classes? Uh, yeah, Facebook page. I have a Facebook page, Gary Condes. Um, but again, my website is, uh, everything's all up there. And you can contact me for my latest courses, which I'm about to launch for the rest of the autumn. Fantastic. Well, I really enjoyed this discussion about location, location, location. And uh, I will uh, look forward to talking to you guys next time. Take care, everyone. Thank Bye. you. Wear your mask. Bye. Bye.